Welcome to the Recruiter Abroad podcast. My name's Dilta Doherty, and in this podcast series, I will be bringing you the stories of recruiters who have emigrated around the world. This week, I'm speaking to Stuart Cherry. Stuart's originally from Northern Ireland, and he heads up Oliver James's operation in New York City. So we talk all about that and his journey that led him to this point. Um, if you're interested in getting to New York, you really want to listen to this one. Uh, he goes through absolutely everything that you need to know. And it's not all plain sailing. You know, New York is a tough place to move to and you have to be prepared to really work your ass off to make it work. And he goes through it all. But those who do make it work, there's an amazing amount of success at the end of the road for you. You know, the market is great. The lifestyle is great. But again, we have to stress, you have to go and work hard and you have to stick at it. And his story is testament to that. If this is the first time that, uh, that you're listening to it, jump back in and have a listen to the other ones. Uh, we've talked about Tokyo, we've talked about Australia, and next week we'll be talking about Thailand. So, uh, yeah, hope you, hope you enjoy, guys. And if you do, uh, give it a like and share and send it to a recruiter. And hit me up if you have any questions. Over to Stuart. Hey, Lola, how's it going? Stuart Cherry, how are you doing today? I'm not too bad, not too bad. The sun's shining in New York, which makes uh, been a nice change over the last couple of days, but yeah, I'm not too bad, not too bad. I, uh, I have to apologise, I was running a little late here. Um, I just had Gary Rushton on the phone. And when I, when I told him that I was recording with you, he said that I was going to have to carry this one. <laughs> Look, if you can't keep to the schedule time, though, do not blame me or others, okay? <laughs> so, welcome to the Recruiter Abroad Show. Um, I've given me. everybody a brief introduction into your background, but today we're just going to elaborate on that. And I suppose to start, how did you fall into this weird and wonderful career that we have in recruitment? Well, unlike most people, I actually grew up wanting to be a recruiter. No, um, I... <laughs> I um, like I would say like ninety five percent of people that you speak to. Um, I did a you know the degree that I did you know was not a vocational degree. Um, it was like history and politics, and, and then I studied business in America for a year. But I had no idea, no set path. Uh, I had um, I spent some time studying in 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 Belfast in Queens, and then I went to America for a year, um, sort of playing football, soccer over there, or trying to at least. Um, How did I you manage to get that? Um, it was part of it. It was um, a scholarship program in in um, in Northern Ireland. Um, I think it might have been. I'm not sure if in the south as well, but it was called the uh, BEI program. Um, the was it the Business Enterprise Initiative? So basically, colleges in America would link up with some of the universities in Northern Ireland um, and offer scholarships every year for for people to go over and they wanted to, you know, broad spectrum of people from various communities, male, female, academic, sports, art, um, you know, music, et cetera, um, to go over. So I, I applied, went through the, the application process and, and then got to a, a very small liberal arts college in the middle of nowhere in Michigan. <laughs> and so, uh, so you're pretty handy at football. How far did you take that? 
Oh, I, I was I was excellent at telling people I was good at football. Um, <laughs> which is probably about it. Um, like it was good. It was good fun. Now, I mean, our school were were pretty poor, so I think anyone that was able to, you know, use your effort as well as standing on it, um, was seen as some sort of rock star. So yeah, it was it was good fun. Now I have to say for a for a very poor team and in, in international standards, we were a bit like San Marino. So when we <laughs> scored a goal, there was wild celebrations across the campus. But no, it was good fun now. Um, and then I came back to uh, Queens, finished off there. And then I, I headed off on my jollies to South Korea to teach English because I had literally no idea what I wanted to do. Um, and it was after sort of doing that for a year, then traveling for about four or five months around Asia, I actually met a, a guy from Limerick in I think we were in Cambodia at the time, a guy called Rossi, who worked for Hayes doing construction recruitment. And we got chatting. And I was sort of 24 at this point, beginning to freak out that I had no career or no, obviously no discernible footballing abilities because I had to knock that on the head um, and see what I was going to end up doing. And you know, the career teaching thing was great fun, but certainly not a, not a career choice for me at that point. Um, and I got chatting to this guy, Rossi, and he told me what he did and told me how much he, he earned doing it and sort of that stuck with me. So uh, when I came home in, in early January 2008, I, uh, the 1st of January, I woke up, you know, with slightly blurry eyes and then just went on the webs, went on the, the Times top 200 companies to work for and just made my way down the list looking for every recruitment company and applying as I went. And you were in Belfast and I, I take it, Belfast isn't exactly a hotbed of recruitment activity. Was it was it London you were looking at, or where, where was it? Um, I didn't have in like I I'd never really any interest in living in England. You know, I had a lot of friends who'd studied over there. There was lots of Irish over in in England at universities and so on. But I um, London hadn't appealed to me as much. Um, I I wanted to go to Manchester. Um, I thought it was a, a good spot to go to. I'd been there once before. I had heard good reports about it. Um, and my plan was to go work in England for 18 months, two years, and then get myself back over to Asia, um, New Singapore, Hong Kong. Cause I'd, you know, traveled there, liked the cities, and I enjoyed living abroad. So I had uh, that was the that was the uh, the plan in essence. Uh, but no, Belfast was never on the the cards, or Dublin was never on the cards for me to to stay. The Global economic climate uh, wasn't really on board with your plan, though, was it? No. Well, in fairness, I, I was relatively fortunate. I remember when I was still living in Asia, um, I was watching the only sort of English news channel I had was CNN. So I was watching this and it was talking about the, you know, the mortgage issues in the States in late 2007. And obviously it looked bad and obviously it was quite a scary time, but it hadn't fully hit the UK market yet. So I was actually incredibly fortunate to get in when I did. Um, I started working with um, well, Michael Page um, um, in sort of March 2008. And I was very fortunate to get in at the time that I did because they were still hiring. It wasn't really until August 2008 and obviously Lehman Brothers and everything that um, the ripple effects of that that really sort of put the squeeze on things. And um, you know, 2000 and, well, the, you know, Q4 of 2008, all of 2009, and then with the UK general election in 2010, um, all those sort of factors, you know, culminated in, in, in a relatively uh, tough baptism of fire, you <laughs> getting into the recruitment world. What, what were you recruiting for at the time? It was marketing. So I did marketing um, within consumer. Um, and then in sort of, I started off doing that. So that was, it was great. You know, you're working with companies like Kellogg's and Adidas and then some like 
you know, small consumer product companies in sort of, you know, deepest, darkest Lancashire. Um, so it was, it was a good, interesting uh, place to be. The marketing team at Michael Page in, in Manchester was one of their best performing teams like anywhere. Um, so that was, that was, it was a really good learning experience with some very, very talented people. Um, but then I moved over onto the public sector side and that's where oh. Yeah, I mean, I, I, my director must have really, really disliked me because he gave me that desk to work on contract uh, public sector in the oh, UK in late that's where, that's where recruiters go to die. Well, I mean, that I certainly felt like dying most days. It was, it was horrible. Like, it was really horrible. But the strange thing was, um, it was good because you were really... I wasn't, as a, as a, as a kid... You know, I worked in, you know, as you know yourself, growing up at home in Ireland, you know, you will do anything, working on farms, building sites, fishing boats, factories, pubs, landscape. I did anything and everything to get potato picking was my first baptism of, of, of work. But I did anything to get money, but I wasn't the most entrepreneurial of people. Um, but I think working in that market for Michael Page at that time, where you were literally driving all over the Northwest to every council, quango, um, public sector body, you know, pushing and peddling for work. Um, you know, I remember having a, a client meeting um, at Wigan Council, I think it was, in, in round about that time, and sat in a meeting in the middle of their, their, their communications floor for the head of communications to sort of, you know, look and sort of say, look, we're making cuts, and that desk is being cut. However, I can make hires here, here, and here. And it was just, it was horrible. It was a real bloodbath. Um, but it was a fantastic learning experience to sort of, you know, it really tested your your sales ability, your patience, I suppose, your confidence and your, I don't know, self-belief, if that makes sense, in terms of, yeah. you know, um, being tenacious enough to keep going. But, yeah, I'll be honest, it wasn't fun. It wasn't fun and it wasn't that enjoyable. But it was, I think it was a necessary evil for me. So, so for my first three years, I was with Robert Walters, so an almost an identical company, except yep. I was in the middle of a mining boom. So Right, okay complete opposite so i've never actually had that experience and uh i'm probably not as hardened because of it at what point at what point did you kind of get to with michael page and and the location and everything and, and think you know maybe it's time to move on like what was that what was that day like it was strange actually because i, I by it's funny when you speak to people who've worked in some of the big businesses, you know, Walters, Page, etc. Um, I think there, there can be, you know, multiple opinions, of course. But for me, Page was a fantastic learning experience. Like it really was. I worked with some very, very talented people, some very um, experienced individuals. Um, but and, and by no means did I set the world alight there. Like I really didn't. You know, I I think I worked hard. I tried. I learned. But I was very, very green when I started my career in recruitment. Um, and I don't think I was a natural at it, but I worked hard to, to improve and what have you. But the, the day I sort of realized that I wanted to go, I had you know, challenges throughout my time there. Um, and and uh, there were times where I'm sure, you know, I was maybe in firing line, you know, at times. But, yeah. um, you know, we got through it and, you know, some good performances as well. But um, it was the opportunity to a few of my, well, one of my friends, um, a chap called IK, um, who'd been my manager at Page, had moved to Oliver James about nine months previously mm. and, and told me about the business. Now, you know, Michael Page, you know, company fluctuated maybe between, you know, three and a half thousand employees to maybe 5,000 employees. And Oliver James had about 30. Um, um, 
And the, the, the day I decided to leave, it was, uh, it was tough. You're speaking to my MD, but I was a very, uh, it was a day of relief, I think, you know, uh, and, and trepidation to, to move into something new where you were going from this huge international player to, you know, a relatively bespoke uh, boutique business in, in, in Manchester with an office in London. Uh, but no, it was a very exciting day. I'll be honest, and one that I, I do actually look back on pretty, pretty fondly. So, so you join Oliver James, and what are the initial differences between working for a big business to working for a startup? Because working for Oliver James today isn't what it was in the first thirty people. So I'm sure because you, you know, you've just, you've just got there. It's a brand new company. Nothing's set up. Like, what was your daily routine like compared to what it was at Page? No, I suppose when I joined Page, in fairness, I'm sorry, OJ, in, in fairness, and I left from Page, like Oliver James had uh, been going for about nine years at that point, but it had grown. Um, the, the growth that we then saw thereafter was was vast. I think by the end of 2011, we had 50 people, and then today we've got about 330. Um, so the first nine years was steady growth, and the last seven years have just been explosive growth. Um, but the day-to-day, I think the big difference for me was the, the contact you had with the key decision makers. Um, we, as a business, we, we operate in open-planned offices. Um, and, you know, the two owners, Ollie and, and Jimmy, as we would refer to them as, you know, they were there every day asking what they were doing. Um, and you were, as a business, it was for me, it was quite futuristic. You know, we had, you know, electronic boards up around the office with people's results. You know, you, it was very... Um, it felt like Star Trek compared to Michael Page, didn't it? Completely, and that was the old school whiteboards, which was great as well, but it, it was just those little things and the success and the numbers that people were putting up. Um, when I joined, I was amazed. Like, I was genuinely amazed. I went from recruiting you know, marketing communication professionals who, you know, could be earning anything between 18,000 to, you know, maybe 50,000 on a good day to recruiting actuarial um, contractors who are earning a thousand pounds a day. So the difference in working in a regional market in the Northwest to, you know, international or or certainly London centric markets um, was a, was a big change in terms of culture and adapting but i think the culture of the business as well um within oj when you when you joined it was very difficult not to be impressed by the i know the level of ability the level of success that people were having um Mm. and i think that took me by surprise i think initially but very quickly you know when you're in that environment you 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 try to embrace it but the day-to-day was just you know we're a headhunting business we weren't getting you know jobs thrown at us so you know, you had to really work the candidates incredibly well. Um, and that was a big, big difference in Page because their, you know, years and years and years of success and their high reputation, you know, candidates come to them, mm. even with an OJ, like where the, you know... You, the also have to, you also have to be careful who you headhunt when you're at a business like hey, Page because they have agreements with everybody. Precisely. And I think even with, with, with OJ, you know, now the business is different to what it was, but, you know, the, the just how prolific people were at calling people up at their desks, you know, experienced, you know, high earning individuals and, and, you know, getting them to move from a permanent job, maybe earning 150 K a year to go contracting. Um, my the head of contract used to say like, do you want to be a millionaire in four years? Cause that's the money you could earn. Um, you know, uh, you know, when we were pitching to candidates to move from, you know, permanent to contract. Mm. Um, 
but it, but it worked and it was just a fantastic time to to join and certainly the right time for me to to try something different and and you know and push myself and when you say uh, when you began your career maybe it was something that didn't click into place quite quickly yeah. for some people it does right some people yeah. just get it what would you say the, the the core differences are there in in somebody who does get it and somebody who maybe has to learn it over a long period of time can you recognize that of people or i think you can you can just get that that um just that vibe and that sense um and I even remember my first training session at uh, the core one at Michael Page in, you know, maybe May or June 2008. I was in a room with these other people and some had come from sales, some had come from recruitment, some had come from real estate, some had come from, you know, teaching, the whole background. But just there were certain people there that I looked at in awe because they just got it. Mm. You know, they, they, they spotted angles that I wasn't getting. They, they knew the, the, the pressure points to put on. They, they understood the the complexities of things quicker than what I did. Um, yeah. the, the younger start that you went into, it may have made a difference on that though. Yeah, true. I mean, again, I, I had never worked in an office environment before. I had gone from, you know, teaching in a school, you know, to, you know, in Korea to, to that. So it was such a contrast, but yeah, you definitely notice it. Um, um, I think it's like the 10,000 hours thing, you know, that practice, practice, practice. Um, and you look at someone, I don't even in sporting terminology, you look at someone like I don't know, Ronaldo he, he, or and Messi. You know, for me, Messi just has it. He was born gifted. Obviously, he's worked incredibly hard, but he's just born gifted. Mm-hmm. You know, Ronaldo maybe on a certain sense has, has, to, has had to work for it and work for it and work for it and work for it. Um, and I think that's, you know, similar to people who, who don't get it necessarily, but if you put the work in and, and are sponge and try to absorb as much information as possible and then apply it through trial and error, you can be, you know, you can obviously be a success. It just takes a longer time to, to, to kick in than, than for others who are probably just natural born sales men and women. Or, or, or yeah, I think a lot of it's timing as well, you know, timing of entering a good market and to, at the right time, timing of entering a good desk at the right time. But well, uh, I think as well as that, it's to do with your confidence. Mm-hmm. You know, you, we work in an industry where so many people are, are their, their performances are driven by how confident they are. Um, and where they're, they're, and you're absolutely spot on. I think so much of that is dependent on the desk you go into. And I think certainly that helped me when I joined Oliver James. Like the, the two people, the three people on my desk were three of the best billing consultants in the UK, you know, within, within actuarial or within insurance. You know, they had crazy numbers of contractors, they had crazy numbers of billing. Um, what were the things that set them apart? I think their ability to a spot angles, um, and that could have been from convincing clients, hiring managers, directors, chief actions, etc., that they need contractors. You to, to be able to understand their projects and to be able to, as I say, talk about the pressure points, where are the areas of weakness, where do they need their ability to, to magic jobs out of the air. But that was only based on their ability to find good talent. And that's the thing that sort of, you know, uh, stuck with me. It was their ability to manage the egos of people who earn a lot of money because I hadn't come from that situation. Mm. And to con- convert them to contract, to um, who, uh, put an opportunity to them 
that was attractive because these these the actuaries are in short supply and the contract actuaries are even shorter supply. They're in such demand, and every single one of them has three or four offers at any one point in time. But my colleagues' abilities to be able to place them and you know compete with one another, uh, I I thought was just it was incredibly inspiring. And I don't mean that in a twee sense. I mean genuinely, it was like, wow, this is this is nuts. These guys are just just dominating what they were doing uh, and that for me was just a fantastic team to join so yeah you're absolutely spot on the timing of joining an organization that was growing expanding but with people who who had this track record of success was was probably the most impressive and, and important step that i've had in my career and when did that penny drop for you did it, did it drop for you before you left page or did it drop for you six months into oliver james when did you kind of go oh actually i'm finally i'm, I'm good at this now uh, yeah, I would have said about maybe three months in to my time at, at OJ. Um, certainly not when I, I think I took confidence when I, when I left that there was a, you know, a, a business out there that wanted to utilize your skills. But I think maybe three to six months into my time at OJ, I was like, you know what, I, I'm, I'm getting this now um, and things are beginning to fall into place. Um, and you were just trying to keep pace with the people around you. That was the big thing. You were like, you know, hold on a second. These are their expectations. And this is what they have done, and this is the level that they've achieved. I need to keep pace with that. Uh, and, and that, for me, was – it doesn't happen overnight. But the fact that when the penny did drop, it was, it was fantastic. Um, but I think, like most people, you don't sort of realize. It's only, you know, retrospectively, in hindsight, when you look back, that you sort of realize when it was. But at the time, you were just going through it. And, okay, a deal came in, a second deal, third deal, you know, headhunts, jobs, meetings. All those things just began to flow um, and you didn't really take the time to, 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 to notice it. You just, it just was natural, it was instinctive, and you just went along. And so you've lived in Manchester, you've lived in London. What, on a personal level, like what, was, what was the differences you found between the two cities? Were you able to kind of, did you find yourself gravitating towards Irish expatty groups, or was it like work colleagues, or a mixture of both? Or how did you go socially? Um, a bit of both. I think Manchester is a fantastic city. Like I really do. Like I love London, and it's a great place, you know, to 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 spend your time. I didn't spend as much time in it as I would maybe I could have done. Um, but Manchester to me just had everything that you needed. Um, you could earn if you were doing well. You could earn London salaries, but be based in a far inexpensive place. Um, it was a really good size city. Um, there was a lot going on. It was a young, vibrant, you know, place to be. Um, you know, I gravitated initially, you know, to, you know, just my, my, my work colleagues. Um, but my best friend, you know, was a um, Gaelic player uh, from, from Mayo. And uh, I had never played growing up. I was sort of rugby, football, et cetera. Um, and he got me involved in the St. Peter's um, uh, GAA club in, in Manchester. And again, that was a phenomenal um, addition to my, my sort of life outside of work, you know, for that next sort of six years, we had a phenomenal time of, of success, but, you know, friendships and everything that came with it. So I, I struck a real balance between living, you know, I suppose in many ways, an expat lifestyle as an Irishman living in, in, in England with a mix of, you know, friends that were, that were Irish, friends that were English, friends that were from wherever. Um, and I thought it was a really important balance. I would never advise anyone to, to solely, you know, focus on one group because I think you're missing out on a whole lot then. Mm. Um, and I think that's, that was massive for me to get that balance between you know, playing five-a-side with my work friends who were predominantly English to playing Gaelic with my 
Irish friends to, to going out with a mix of people from, you know, and the good thing about Manchester is, you know, people come from everywhere. Um, and that was, that was massive for me. I, I yeah, I, I like the variety. So you moved back to Manchester after London, is that right? So I split my base. I worked in London. So I was down in London with work. Um, you know, my clients were all London based and I was living in Manchester. Okay. But I was down like every, you know, every, you know, every couple of weeks. Um, and you would stay over and have friends down there, et cetera. So you spent time there. But, you know, Manchester always just appealed to me more um, <laughs> as a place to live. So, so you're relatively settled this stage in England and... You know, works works going really well. It's paid off all all the hard work that you've done. And how does America come about? Who gives you the opportunity, and what did you have to do to make that happen? We had um, within Oliver James in sort of 2013. Um, I had been in the business about two two and a half years at this point, working in an actuarial market and doing, you know, pretty well um, in terms of billings, in terms of earnings, in terms of development. But um, at the time, Oliver James developed our oil and gas. Area. Um, it was a hot time to get involved. Um, until it wasn't. Until it wasn't. Uh, <laughs> until, and, 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 until reality hit. Um, who who are you it, talking to? I was living in Calgary when the, when the burst. Oh, were you? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, it was just, I mean, I, like you talk about the, 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 an Armageddon of all markets. And I, for me, it was the most annoying thing was that having experience, like everybody, you know, who's been recruiting us, you know, in our time, you know, to experience the sort of economic um, downturn 2008 to, to, to you know now <laughs> but to go through that 2008 10 period obviously with the election in the UK and the cuts in the public sector to go into insurance which was so buoyant to then join in oil and gas and actually we made such inroads we were making deals in about you know every continent you know people people placing people in Qatar Oman you know Russia you know Trinidad Colombia everything everywhere but the market just began to bite massively from summer 14 onwards. And um, I think that the price of oil dropped from $150 a barrel to under 50. (laughs) I had moved from uh, Perth, which was an oil and gas and iron ore area where like, it's all based on all, all based on the commodities over there. Yeah. And we'd, we'd gone through this boom and I, I never had a hard days and hard day in recruitment in three years. It, you know, it was, like I, I'd never experienced anything. Yes, this like, life, no, this is like it's this, this, this was this was every uh, everything was amazing, um, and then the iron ore crashed, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to outsmart this. I'm going to move to Calgary, where it still has an oil and gas boom, and I'm going to go there. So I I went, I I took this uh, low base, high commission deal with uh, with a national firm there, and set up an IT recruitment arm. And uh, hired a couple of guys and just about got started. And week two, that crash happened. <laughs> <laughs> I was we were both out of work in nearly ten months. Was <laughs> It was it was crazy. And I, I think on the back of that, like you, you experienced the hardships of it. And we actually went to an oil um, convention in Stavanger, Norway, in 2014. And you even sensed that then that you know the pinch was coming. Um, and sort of, I think within the first three days, and this is not an exaggeration, in the first three days of 2015, our business plan for the year was almost obliterated by businesses contacting us saying, look, hiring freeze, hiring freeze, hiring freeze, hold it off, not hiring that person. Um, and th- th- this is, uh, again, I, it, it's easy for me to say this, and obviously I'm, I'm probably not the most um, uh, impartial, but 
the great thing with, with us as a business, Oliver James, like, you know, and Oliver James as two individuals, it was within the space in of 48 hours, within 48 hours, the same week that we knew our business plan for oil and gas had, had you know, uh, had basically been wiped. Within 48 hours, we made the decision that we were to open up New York um, and to focus back on our bread and butter of, of insurance or finance um, within the core markets. Um, and we made that decision literally, as I say, in, in a space of a few days. Um, and then we built that up, myself uh, and two others um, who are still with the business. And we, we started working in, in January 15 from the UK, from Manchester, um, working East Coast hours um, and building that out. Um, and we had nothing. You know, we had no clients over there, even international businesses, but we knew domestic clients. We had no candidates. And, and basically starting from, from scratch, uh, from day one, to, to build that out. Um, and that's what we, we set upon in, in January 15. <laughs> that's uh, and, and, and at what stage did, uh, did Oliver or James come to you and say, all right, you've hit your target now. We're actually going to build an office around this. How did that, how did that process come about? And, you know, was it pretty straightforward? Or? Yeah, I mean, perfectly honest. I mean, we, when, we, when they decided that, that New York was what they wanted to do, you know, um, we always knew that we were going, if that makes sense. Like, it wasn't a case of, look, we're going to tentatively see how this is going to work. We knew it was going to work. We had absolute total conviction that this was going to work um, because we've, you know, the business and the individuals that, that work here have proved that in, in Asia when we set up there, in, in Amsterdam, when we set up there in, in previous. So there was absolutely no doubt that it was going to happen. So we just said, look, we're going to do this. We're going to work out what date we're going to go over, you know, uh, as we go. But I would say within the first six to eight weeks, we knew roughly when we were going to be on the ground in, in the States. And we, we went about that accordingly. You know, from a visa perspective, from an administrative perspective, and that was done so early. Um, it was just to get the ball rolling, and it was really my job and you know my colleague's job to 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 make it work. Um, you know, what, and, what, when was this exactly? So this was we, we decided to to open up New York in, or to at least start the US, the U.S. business in in January 2015. We decided a, a date, um, which was going to be October of that year. So October 15, we came out here. Uh, and basically, from January through October, we were working in 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 the UK, um, coming out. I came out for a couple of visits, um, but basically that's what we were doing. And what was what were those initial few weeks like for you? Did like are you, did you get a serviced office? Did were you able to like how did that how did that how did that process go? Was this like a dream come true for you? Have you have you always thought about New York or? I, I hadn't. You know, I'd been in New York a couple of times, you know, um, but it never really been on the cards, I had friends who lived in different places, Dubai, Australia, Canada, uh, you know, other parts of the States. And I just thought New York was a good opportunity. And that was it. Basically, we, you, know, you took it in your stride and, and just went with it and, and realized that you know, this is a fantastic place to, to, make, to make money. But again, you know, that was it. It was, it was very instinctive. Um, but the first few weeks were, when we came out here, I think were incredibly exhilarating. You know, you were so excited. You know, we came out with six of us in total. Um, um, you know, myself and five colleagues, and we came out here, and you know, uh, James came out as well, and you know, we we had got our office set up. But you know, the preparation and the hard work, uh, I suppose, in many ways, had had already commenced. You know, it wasn't like we were coming out here. We had worked, you know, bloody hard during our time in the UK to to make sure that we were coming out here with some form of presence, some form of foothold. 
um, in the market we were going to do. And then, you know, and we just, you know, and then I suppose the funding game started once we once we, we touched down in, in October, uh, October, well, nearly three years ago. Um, and it's just grown from there, uh, which has been fantastic. But yeah, initial, that initial experience of coming out here and setting up an office and building beds and tables, for, you know, and all sorts um, <laughs> for our apartments and what have you. Uh, I don't know if I'd do that again in a hurry, but it was it was a fantastic experience, and I think uh, one that for the people that are here and that have worked through that, um, an incredible one of you know of bonding and, and sort of bringing people together. It was it was phenomenal. And in terms of New York, I mean, the big players have been out there for a while. Yeah, S three are probably the only ones that scaled out of the big players. Yeah, um, and, then, and then there's a few others then uh, that 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 have really been yeah. able to grow grow an office there. H- have you seen that that the amount of UK recruiters that are in New York grow over your time there? Has that has that uh, have you bumped into lots of them? And is is that a is that an active social scene that that happens there that like it does in other expat cities with recruiters? I think so. You know, it's like in Manchester. It was funny because Manchester, I suppose outside of London, is like the mecca for recruiters in in the UK. So in a bar on a Friday night or a Thursday night, you were standing there, and it was like gunslingers in a western. <laughs> yeah, you sort of look at each yeah. other, but you know, there's not even really that much of an acknowledgement. You just know each other are there, and you sense the presence. Um, like a scene from Anchorman. Exactly, exactly the scene from Anchorman. Yeah, just, <laughs> just don't touch the face or hair. Um, but it was, <laughs> it was, it was like that. But you know what? It, it's strange over here. I think certainly in in my time, so the three years we've been here, yeah, we've seen more more businesses come out, set up, new smaller shops, and try to build accordingly. And and we speak to people because let, let's be honest, it's a competitive industry. But I, I think what goes around comes around, and if you can. You, you bounce ideas off of your competition or or your your peers and other businesses and get an understanding of it. But yeah, we we definitely see an increase in it um, in our time here. Um, but I think so many people suffer the same frustrations and 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 challenges. Um, I think there's a real commonality with that. Mm. And and socially, uh, what what is what does your social scene look like there? Again, has sports been the thing that you've used to to meet people outside of work? Um, what part of the city do you live in? And, you know, what's your life like there? It was good. I mean, it's, it's there's so much to do in New York. Um, like, I grew up in a small sort of fishing village where you're surrounded by trees and fields and mountains. Um, and, you know, people say to you, oh, have you gone out and explored? You know, have you climbed this mountain? Climbed? Yeah, maybe, maybe not. You know, sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. And New York is something like that. You know, you get so many shows and music events and things to do and see. You don't always take advantage of it. Like, like you should, um, because there's just so much going on in this city. Like, it's incredible. But absolutely, your sport's been a, a key part of that. Um, you know, of course, socializing, drinking, eating, you know, those things are an abundance here. I don't think there's, it, there must be more bars in New York than really any other place in the world. It's, it's insane. Um, but yeah, you know, playing likes of five aside, you know, colleagues I work with play likes of you know, rugby union, rugby league. Um, there's a real, um, there's a good expat lifestyle out here, um, but it's, it, I think it's very much interwoven with just, you know, living with, with Americans and living with people from, you know, a variety of other countries. But yeah, sports is, is, is massive thing. Gym culture is very big here. There's, you know, you know, an abundance of, of 
you know, types of gyms and classes and boxing and CrossFit and all sorts of things that people can do here, yoga, Pilates, et cetera, et cetera. So are you getting, are you getting massive in your spare time? Are you? I mean, uh, that, that I, I was, but that was mainly down to the eating and drinking. So I'm just trying to streamline now, <laughs> you know, for the summer and so on. Um, Cause I'm, I'm not getting any younger. So I think if I, uh, I need to do this now, otherwise I'm going to go down a very bad path. Um, but no, it, it's, it's great. Yeah. But it's a very, very active, very, very active city, which is, um, I think it's really helped. Like it really has helped and there's always stuff to do. Like, you know, brunches and you know saturdays and sundays are are a huge thing but i think it's important to get that mix you know you, you've mm. got some fantastic places around you you know if you've got you know about an hour outside of the city you can go you know there's lots of places to you know go out from a nature perspective you you've got you know obviously three airports in close vicinity so if you nip away for a weekend or um go away for slightly longer you've obviously got the like similar living in london or dubai you've got the accessibility of that which is fantastic but Yes, it's a great place just to, to be based, I think, for, for, you know, for, a, for a period of your life, at least, anyway. And I think, it, you know, I, I went there and my friend was working for Hayes and his missus was working for S3. And I went there and ha- had a bit of fun with him. And, you know, they were doing all right on that. But they said, look, you're not going to get rich in 18 months here. Like, you, this is an expensive city if you want to make money in New York, you have to commit to it for a while. Would you, would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. 100%. Um, and I think the problem you get with a lot of people, and there may be people listening to this, and you know the people that you speak to on a day-to-day basis, as I know this is the being of your life. People can, this is the... people can look at New York in, in a variety of ways. Um, and one of the ways I think is it's, it's in my position, I, I, you have to stress this, like, is this a life experience? Yes, it is. But I, I think if you want to have a fulfilling experience here, it can't be a 12 to 24 month life experience. I think it is something that you do need to invest three, four, five years in to really get the most out of it, the most out of it financially, the most out of it personally, the most out of it professionally, because it doesn't come easy. It is a challenging, challenging market. There's some fantastic um, you know, com- competition out there. I think there's... Um, it's a different way of working from a recruitment standpoint than maybe the UK or Australia. Um, and I think people... Can, can you jump into that? Yeah, so I mean, I think it's very, very um, HR-led. It's very, very much HR-led over here. Um, and uh, listen, I, like, I'm saying this, and there's you know multiple different industries and disciplines and sectors, and, and they will all have their you know, idiosyncrasies, and they'll all have their challenges that, will, that, that are unique to them. Um, but I just think it's... There are, the, I think the misconception that, oh, the preconception, beg your pardon, that look, if you've got an English or an Irish accent or whatever, you know, that's going to you know, be fantastic. It's going to charm people. I think it's a conversation point the first time you call and thereafter it's about delivery. And I think in New York and, and certainly even across the States, that's the key, key component here. It's your ability to deliver and back up all your sales and recruitment bluff that you come out with. Um, mm. And I think that's a key thing. Now, I know that's probably with any market, but I, I find that people here are incredibly picky. They're very selective with who they hire. Um, and, and they really, everyone is wanting the best of the best. And I think with that, especially if you're new to the market, that takes a heck of a long time to, to get your head around what looks good and what doesn't. Um, and, mm. and like we sort of laugh about it, you know, um, in the office when we're looking at various candidates and people that we thought you know, two years ago, we're like, why is this person not getting an offer? They're getting interviews. Why are they not getting an offer? Well, now we know why. 
and, mm. and I think that evolution of your uh, and, and, and progression of your um, of your candidate pool of your market knowledge is fantastic but it does take time it really does take time yeah the things I'm always told is that you have to be super niche and yeah. and, and when you say it's very HR led it's not really like Australia in terms of if it's HR led there you could put up a job ad um, and if you have the relationships, you'll definitely get the candidates. There's much more high-level, hard headhunting that goes on in your market, isn't there? Well, that's what we do. I mean, I think that's where we have been able to um, hit the ground running so well in New York. I mean, we were coming over here, and we've been in the city, as in, you know, physically moved over a week, and then we were at a conference in, in Texas. And bear in mind, we'd never been, I'd never been to Texas in my life. I never met any of these clients. But we had spoken to them. You know, we had had not not some of them. We you know we had engaged with them. We had placed with some of them. So we were going in there being completely new. No one you know a lot of people wouldn't have had a clue who we were. But then we had these these these, these individuals who did know who we were familiar with, and that only came about by by headhunting and and by being persistent and incredibly committed to to speaking to as many people in your market as you possibly can, um, and learning from them. You know, learning you know how do they work? What are their challenges? Struggles? you know, what do they not like, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, every business and every individual has their own particular style, but that, the headhunting piece is certainly one that has um, been um, successful for us, not just in America, but I think globally. Okay, so one uh, one final question, which is kind of a, a couple of parts, but uh, what advice, firstly, would you give to UK recruiters and Australian recruiters looking to make the move, what advice specifically, if, if some of them do get a move, mm. what then would you advise them in order to be successful? And finally, just what's, go, what's going on with the business right now and, and how, can, uh, how can they reach out to you? Okay, good stuff. Well, you made a cardinal sin there. Uh, well, you've, you've asked multiple questions in, in one question, which as a recruiter, you know you should never do. However, we'll, we'll look past that. <laughs> <laughs> um, like the advice that I would give is, and I, I'm mindful of not to contradict myself here, but one, really think about it. What are your motivations? Why do you want to come here? What is your end goal of moving anywhere? But you know, particularly New York, because of the 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 the, the challenges that you've you've alluded to. You know, it's an expensive place. It's a busy place. It's a it can be quite a lonely place at times, um, and it's a very competitive and hard working environment. But what are your motivations? I think that's a key thing for me. Um, it could be a life experience. Fantastic. If it is a life experience, brilliant. But how long are you prepared to do that? How long are you prepared to commit and actually make something work? Where are your levels of, of tenacity? Where are your levels of persistence? And you've really got to ask yourself why. First and foremost, why do I want to move there? And it can't be any sort of sex in the city, you know, crazy view because it just, it just doesn't exist. Sarah Jessica Parker did not live in that apartment on that wage. There's just no way she could have. Uh, she wasn't making 100 BD calls a day? No, she wasn't making 100 BD calls a day. Absolutely not at all. Um, she wrote one article a week, I think. So it was, you know, there's just no way she could have done. Um, but uh, I think that's the big thing. Know why you're, you're, you're coming. And I think... But once you get that, once you've, you, you're comfortable as what your motivation is, do it. It's a phenomenal place to live. It's a phenomenal place to work. And it's a phenomenal place to build your career. Like it really is. You look at the size of deals. You look at the client pool that's here. You look at the recruitment market that is here. 
this isn't some sort of new age Christopher Lumbus style exploration, but it's it's fantastic. It's a fantastic time to be here. You know, us as a business, Oliver James, you know, we grew from three people in the UK. We got six people. We were six by the time we got out here. We're now up in the mid-30s, 34, 35 people. Um, and, and we are growing. Now, we want to grow fast. We want to grow, you know, um, efficiently. Um, you will hope to be up to 40 people by the end of this year. Then we're looking at our, our second and, and third offices in, in the next two years, so 2019. Um, and then 2020, we're looking at office two and office three in, in, in the US. Um, but we have taken people from Australia. We've taken people from, from the UK. We've got an incredible mix of people who are American passport holders, but whose families come from you know, every continent in the world. Um, and that's been a fantastic addition to us. I think we've got 16 different you know, nationalities in, in our office. You know, it, it, it's amazing. But the growth is, is key for us. It's absolutely key. It's getting the right people on board um, who, who want to be part of something that is, that is growing fast and, and where expectations are high. Um, you know, at times, you know, I, I can't sort of apologize for that. You know, we, we do expect people, we will back people, we will support people, we'll give all the infrastructure to, to succeed. But, you know, it's, it's really up to the level of commitment that, that people have. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been, honestly, it's been, it's been an excellent download to, to be here. And obviously, you know, working with yourself and partnering you with you've been speaking to and so on. Um, it's, it's been, it's been fantastic. It's not been without its challenges. It's not been without its downsides. Um, but certainly, you know, sitting here in, in June 18, when I look at where we're at to where we were, um, it's pleasing, but obviously there's, there's plenty more to do. Stuart Cherry, thank you very much. Thank you. Good man. Talk soon. Cheers. Bye. Well, I really want to thank Stuart for coming on and sharing his experiences. You know, he's emigrated a few times now. And, and, you know, like a lot of Irish guys in my generation, we were all forced to move because that recession was really tough. And he's really made the most out of it. You know, he, he got the Asian experience, went to England, you know, worked his ass off to get the opportunity to go to New York. And then he's really building his life out there now. Um, I, th I liked how frank he was about how hard it is to be successful but those who work hard and get the right opportunity and commit to it can make a lot of money and can it can be absolutely career changing um, so next week we're going to be speaking to a guy called James Hine who is living in Thailand and he's doing, uh, he's doing recruitment out there and he's loving it so uh, hopefully that'll be a bit of a change of pace for you. I know I've brought on a few Irish guests now. Um, it's not, uh, not deliberate, just it seems we like to travel a lot. So I uh, hope you're enjoying the show, guys. And if you are, please give it a like and share and send it to another recruiter. And you know where I am. If you want to ask me any questions about it or you want me to invite anybody on or you want to come on yourself, reach out to me on LinkedIn. Thanks. <laughs>